This is Dojo Live, Tech Without Borders, stories that bring us together. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to Dojo Live. I'm Tulio Siragusa, broadcasting from Southern California. And today is Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021. I'm joined today by Carlos Ponce in Cuernavaca, Mexico, and Kim Lantis in Hermosillo, Mexico, my partners in crime. Hi, guys. Welcome back. Thank you, Tulio. It's good to be here as ever. Yes. All right. And today we're speaking with Jim Berryhill of DecisionLink about really customer management, but a new category of customer management. But before we go into that and understand a little bit more, let's talk with Jim and get to know him a little bit. Jim, please tell us a little bit about yourself, and then we'll we'll go into the decision link. But please introduce yourself to the audience. Well, thank you, Tulio, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate the opportunity to uh, uh, share. Uh, so a uh, little bit about me. Um, I spent uh, 30 plus years in enterprise software sales as an individual contributor, first line manager, second line manager, third line manager. Um, and in my experience in the uh, software industry, and by the way, when I started a big software company, it was about $10 million a year, <laughs> a little different today. Um, but uh, in my experience, I was fortunate very early on uh, to get a, uh, a foundational or grounding uh, training about uh, what sales is really about. Uh, and sales is really about the customer. Uh, and the customer is about value. Customers buy based on value. There's two kinds of value. There's uh, qualitative, uh, maybe the emotional uh, response, the uh, feel good uh, parts of things. Uh, this is going to improve our business. It's going to make us more competitive. We're going to reduce costs. We're going to create more jobs. We're going to uh, improve our customers uh, businesses and so forth. And then there's the quantitative, uh, which is, uh, and it's going to be worth this much money. Uh, and, you know, and uh, don't like to make everything about money, but ultimately uh, in sales, you have to pass muster in the office of the chief financial officer. Uh, and it's got to have economic value and stand up. Uh, I like to say, uh, if as a salesperson, I ask you for a dollar, I ought to be able to tell you what you're going to get for your dollar how much money you're going to save, how much you're going to make, what kind of risk you're going to mitigate and uh, so forth to go along with the qualitative aspect. So uh, I got a uh, primer in that very early in my career, and it's uh, sustained uh, me through um, uh, 30 years. About 10 years ago, John Porter, my co-founder and a wonderful colleague, and I started DecisionLink on the premise of building an application to help sellers uh, in this communication of, uh, of uh, value, qualitative and quantitative uh, value. Uh, previously, it had been done by hand, um, expert resources using Excel. And uh, if you think about the marketplace in general, we have applications for financials and for human resources, for manufacturing and distribution. Uh, for game playing, for all sorts of things, 
uh, we felt needed an application for value management. So we started 10 years ago and it's been a great journey, uh, very uh, invigorating and uh, so forth. And I'm uh, delighted to be able to be here and share a little bit about that with, uh, with you all today. Thanks, Jim. So you, you touched a little bit on decision link. Can you tell us what you guys do exactly? What is the, the offering? Yeah. So um, decision link, uh, our uh, product or solution is called value cloud. So it's a cloud-based application uh, runs on any kind of device, uh, laptops, uh, uh, cell phones, tablets, etc. cetera, uh, through Salesforce or Microsoft Dynamics, uh, popular CRMs out there uh, through our own uh, web interface. But it gives the ability uh, for a salesperson like me uh, to be able to produce in a uh, really short period of time a uh, value proposition or a value hypothesis uh, that helps me communicate uh, the value my target prospect would receive uh, based on um, uh, based on metrics and experiences with other customers and uh, so forth. In essence, uh, to make the conversation, the sales conversation about the customer and the value they're going to achieve instead of about who I am, what I do, and uh, that sort of thing. In the uh, selling vernacular, we talk about graduating from selling uh, features and functions uh, to selling uh, solutions to selling customer value and hopefully uh, customer value that's differentiated from uh, my uh, competitors. So uh, with the value cloud, I, as a sales rep can interact with the system uh, based on what I know and what I'm already doing. I know who my prospect is. I know what industry they're in. Probably have an idea of the use cases associated with them. I hope I know the role of the person I'm calling on, a marketing person conversations different than a CIO, uh, information officer or security analyst. Uh, probably know who I'm competing against and have a... Uh, uh, understanding of geographic location and other variables that make it really difficult to create a uh, value proposition without, uh, you know, without a uh, application to do so. And the value cloud uh, does that uh, hard work for me uh, based on uh, me providing, as I said, uh, a uh, little bit of information about uh, what I already know and what I'm already doing and gives me the ability to have intelligent uh, and even uh, teaching or provocative conversations with buyers uh, to um, uh, make the conversation about them and uh, what the outcomes and benefits uh, that they're going to get. Sounds completely logical, right? Every selling conversation ought to be that way. And yet buyers say that it only happens about six or 8% of the time. Wow. It's, not because, it's not because sellers don't want to, it's because sellers don't have the, uh, the tooling and the uh, acumen to do that uh, consistently. It's too complicated. We build a system to take the complication out, um, let the system handle the complication and empower and enable uh, sales reps uh, to uh, do what we ask them to do, which is have uh, uh great conversations. 
All right, Jim. Sounds like you guys created a new category in this customer value management. So we're going to have to dig in on that. But before we do, let's introduce the topic of conversation and get started. Kim? Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Tulio. Thank you, Jim, for joining us today. The topic of choice um, per Jim is why customer value management is the next big thing in business and how you can use it to win customers for life. So the question we're trying to answer is how to shift from just winning deals to winning customers for life. You already touched on, you know, CRMs versus CVMs. Um, what do you do to distinguish yourself from that? For the untrained ear, they might sound sort of synonymous. So what does customer value management do that customer relationship management doesn't? Uh, you've hit one of my favorite questions, Kim. So, um, uh, you know, a, a fairly uh, worldwide uh, enjoyed sport is basketball. And uh, when I was in college a long time ago, uh, the university I went to, I kept the scorebook for the basketball team uh, for a couple of years. And that's a really important job. And that's what CRM does. It keeps the scorebook. Uh, it's a system of record. Uh, about uh, customers and prospects and who called on who when and uh, so on and so forth. Uh, so I was really valuable keeping the scorebook, but my friend John Hughes was scoring about 20 points a night for the basketball team. Um, now, who do you think anybody knew whose name was? Did they know John Hughes, the scorer, or Jim Berryhill, the scorekeeper? Definitely um, <laughs> Um, in, uh, you know, modern day, uh, you know, fast forward 40 years, Michael Jordan or the guy keeping the scorebook for the Chicago Bulls. And it's, uh, it's really simple, but value management helps sellers score and CRM helps sellers keep track of scoring. They're both valuable, both, both important, but I would, uh, posit a, um, uh, maybe a rhetorical question. What's more important, scoring or keeping score? Uh, and uh, for that reason, uh, customer value management is rapidly emerging uh, as a uh, category in the marketplace. Uh, we were recently invested in by uh, Excel uh, Ventures, one of the top five venture uh, funds in the world, uh, and their top partner, Samir Gandhi, uh, one of the most brilliant uh, uh, investing uh, backer of CrowdStrike and Slack and some little companies like those. And, um, uh, and, and so we're super excited. The marketplace is uh, uh, gravitating to the notion of, hey, I can have a system to help us score. And maybe more important than that, take care of customers based on what customers care about which is their business uh, metrics and so forth uh, in a systemic, automated, efficient, uh, repeatable and high quality way. And that's what value management's about. And I love the, I love the, the basketball metaphor, uh, you know, for a soccer metaphor, I, you know, I don't mm -hmm. know current, uh, but uh, Pele would be the, you know, he'd be the, uh, you know, uh, uh, the quintessential uh, superstar and uh, the uh, scorekeeper for the uh, Brazilian soccer team. You know, nobody knows his name <laughs> or hers. So anyway, 
No, super, super great analogy. Thank you. It really makes things very, very clear. Uh, Carlos, did you have something you wanted to ask? Two things, yes. Well, first of all, I was look. I went to uh, Decision Link's website and I saw a chat button at the bottom, and there was a lady that said, "How can I help you?" And then I was going to say, "Take me to your leader." And I and then, oh wait a minute, he's 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 right here. I'm speaking with him right now. Jim, um, you and I, uh, when we um, <clears throat> were having a conversation off the air with before we went live, and uh, we. Uh, we discuss the possibility of touching in on how uh, technologies like the ones that you're using at Decision Link might have had to either change, shift, or change completely, or even pivot during COVID. So, would you mind uh, sharing with us and the audience how this has this has happened at Decision Link, or what's your what's your take on this? How the the, the the whole all of past year i don't need to go into details everyone knows about yeah. it how has last year and a little bit of this year too has forced companies like decision link to pivot or change yeah uh so you know a question uh, and a subject top of mind uh, you know we're prayerfully hoping that uh the uh, vac vaccines are made available uh, to every everyone in the world. And, you know, we have first world country problems here in the United States, and uh, they pale in comparison uh, to most of the uh, world. So uh, for our business uh, or for the marketplace that we serve, uh, sales in uh, the high tech industry has traditionally been about 50 or 60% of salespeople have been outside. They visit customers and 40 or 50% have had inside. They communicate via uh, uh, technologies like we're using right now and, um, and so forth. Uh, the pandemic made everyone an inside salesperson. Uh, so, uh, mm -hmm. instead of, uh, an organization with, uh, a thousand salespeople, 400 inside, 600 outside, a thousand are inside. Um, and that has forced organizations to get better at, uh, how they are communicating with their customers and prospects. Um, I, I am a, a big non-fan of what I call dumb sales conversations. Hi, I'm Jim from Decision Link. Would you like to buy some value cloud? Uh, I honestly got a message like that from a senior sales rep of one of the largest, most sophisticated software companies in the world uh, mm -hmm. a couple of weeks ago. It infuriates me. Uh, we are better than that. Uh, but the uh, but the lack of or the inability to uh, to to visit customers face to face to uh, uh, do the social bonding the relationship selling has forced us at large to get more specific about why we're valuable and as opposed to why we're uh, relate relatable uh, if you will and. Uh, while the pandemic has been horrible, um, uh, that has been, in my estimation, for the selling and go-to-market profession, a good thing because it's made us be better. Now, it's ironic to me, uh, we're, we're, 
we're, we're smart people in business. It's ironic to me, it's taken something like the pandemic to drive organizations to get better at uh, providing and communicating and focusing on value for their uh, prospects and customers. Uh, but that is a massive uh, thing that has happened over the past year. And I think that is uh, sustainable, will, uh, will never uh, not be the case. Uh, another thing that has occurred, and so for us, we're a small company. We don't have a lot of money to travel around, so we we're always doing it on uh, platforms like uh, like this. We were COVID ready before we even heard of it, um, so we were we were fortunate and blessed from that uh, from that perspective of uh, readiness. We're also decentralized, so we didn't have to not stop going to we didn't have to stop going to the office and so forth. Everybody kind of worked from home already uh, because we didn't have lots of funds for office space. Um, you know, we had a small, uh, smallish office in Atlanta and uh, so forth, but uh, 65, 70% of our employees work from home. So we were, we were prepared. Uh, but um, uh, so we prospered through the pandemic because we help sellers be about you know, better, uh, better uh, communicating about their clients. Numerous of our clients uh, used our platform to develop COVID ready, pandemic ready offerings of their products and solutions. Uh, some call that agile or being nimble, um, uh, uh, dynamic, uh, organic, and uh, so forth. But at the end of the day, uh, companies in business today have to be uh, nimble and responsive to the changing requirements in the marketplace. And again, I, I'm sad that it took something like uh, COVID and the pandemic to drive uh, businesses to be more of what they should be, which is agile, nimble, and customer-centric. Uh, but that has, in fact, happened. Uh, one of our customers, one of the greatest companies in the world, I think they were the top uh, uh, two years ago, they were Forbes' number one company as far as uh, 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 employee satisfaction and lots of other metrics is ServiceNow. And ServiceNow, in less than a week, created a COVID responsiveness uh, application and value proposition uh, out of their a uh, rich catalog of uh, technology capabilities, uh, and they were able to do so because they're uh, because they're a digital company that's uh, responsive and agile, and they produce the value framework for that using Value Cloud from DecisionLink uh, in less than a week, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, another one of our, now they're a big company with lots oh. of money and all that. Another one of our customers, a small company called Aptio. Uh, they had one professional create a uh, pandemic. Well, what's, the name? what's the name again? Aptio, A-P-P-T-I-O with a, uh, a great Australian professional named Ben Allard. And uh, Ben created a, uh, a, um, uh, pandemic slash COVID response application for the Aptico, Aptio portfolio using Value Cloud mm -hmm. over a weekend. 
So wow. being nimble and agile is just massively important. And uh, that's what we've seen great companies do as a result or in response to the uh, pandemic and COVID uh, 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 challenge. So with 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 your products, okay, so... Uh, Jim, uh, quick, uh, oh. quick question here. I think there's a delay. Sorry, Carlos. I think you're behind me. I'm ready to answer you. Uh, I'll go. I'll go. Oh, Carlos, let's okay, give you a small take. Uh, so let's talk about decision oh, link. There, there's some delay. There, there is. There's some delay here. I'm sorry. I apologize. Uh, yeah. <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead, Carlos. Yeah, Jim, a quick question here before. Yeah, please. What, Kim, what would you compare the value management tool from the perspective of other breakthrough technologies? Yeah. Um, so I love this question. And uh, when I answer it, some people think that guy's crazy. Uh, and that's okay. Uh, I am a little bit. Um, hmm. But back, back in... <laughs> Aren't back we in, all? <laughs> yeah, I hope so. Back in 1990, uh, CRM didn't exist fundamentally didn't exist. Mm -hmm. um, as sales reps, we kept our contact data in uh, spreadsheets. There's a little application called ACT. Uh, there were Templeton time management binders. I remember that. And, yeah, of course. Um, and CRM didn't exist. Uh, in less than 10 years, CRM was a billion dollar uh, business. Um, uh, in another 10 years, it was $15 billion. Today, it's 40 and it's projected to be 70 or $75 billion in 10 years. Um, and it was a combination of uh, technology uh, and people and process. Uh, the, uh, the people was us salespeople. Uh, the process was keeping track of uh, our customers and prospects and phone numbers and, uh, well, not many people had email addresses in 1990, but that evolved, um, uh, addresses and phone numbers and who uh, administrative assistants are, which is where the real power in most organizations exist, uh, and, uh, and so forth. Uh, and then uh, due to the advent of the personal computer, uh, and then the internet, we started having technology that could automate and support that function and enhance uh, that function. And today, um, uh, I still have a little book with phone numbers in it. and People think I'm a Neanderthal or something. Uh, it is uh, 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 just a part of the core fabric of what we do is CRM. Um, uh, there are there's a uh, uh, a little application out on the internet called LinkedIn, where people Hello. keep their personal, uh, professional profiles and uh, so on and so forth up to date, and it's a massive um, uh, uh, asset in the uh, business world for for collegial groups, for companies mm -hmm. to communicate and interact, et cetera, et cetera. Um, a few, uh, a few years ago, uh, somebody got the bright idea that it would be good to uh, do contracts and uh, legal documents and so right. forth using electronic signature. And a little company called DocuSign solved that problem. Right. Uh, and there's, uh, there's several more like that that solve what I call 
uh, technology enabling of long tail uh, or of uh, long tail problems. So let's go get back to, and, to and, the, the little company of Decision League. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah just, just one point. We think that value management is that kind of thing. Right. Uh, is the, um, and that's where the crazy part is, like y'all little company with 75 employees and so on and so forth. Do you think you're going to be the next sales force? We do. Uh, and, and so does uh, uh, Excel and so does uh, some, uh, some other uh, folks like that. But uh, we have solved a uh, problem where automation can bring capability that's needed by mm -hmm. all. I call it the democratization of value. Uh, and uh, Carlos, to your uh, question, uh, that's the track we think we're on. Uh, which is to solve a problem that creates a new category and a massive uh, uh, marketplace and beneficial to to uh, our you know to uh, to our users. Uh, it's not just and I, I'll I'll segue just a little bit. Part of my motivation is I believe that selling is a noble profession. Uh, if somebody doesn't sell, nobody has dinner. Uh, <laughs> and uh, the premise of helping us. Uh, the the sales community do our do the job we want to do um, is uh, is something that we're about uh, which uh, serves sellers and buyers and uh, and everybody so uh, sorry for the long-winded answer no, but, that's uh, fine. yeah what I wanted to come back um, to decision link and when it comes to value management I think one of my biggest questions is um, for your application and the automation what are the data points like let's do this chicken what comes first oh. the chicken or the egg so i'm thinking yeah. i as a company have my value propositions i know who i am i know you know how i can benefit my prospects so i have my value pros propositions mixed in with let's say my prospects identified needs so how what is that cycle and how does that work or what are the data points that you're utilizing to determine this information or what our approach should be when it comes to our clients? Yeah, so um, great question. And uh, part of what you uh, identified there, Kim, uh, relates to acumen of the salesperson. And salespeople run anywhere from uh, novice to intermediate to highly skilled to expert. And uh, our target is to not make everybody an expert, but is to raise every level a notch or two. Uh, great benefit comes uh, everywhere in the cycle uh, that way. And so for those who uh, have a little bit of acumen and a lot of desire, we can, you know, being able to uh, do so helps them and, uh, and so forth. Um, from the, from the standpoint of, uh, I get asked uh, uh, often, well, when do you introduce value in the conversation? It's like from the first words out of my mouth, hi, I'm Jim Berryhill from Decision Link, and we are about customer value. Um, that, that's the mission of our uh, company. And so uh, a part of our technology gives the ability uh, for our customers to publish their value content out of Decision Link uh, on the on their websites, so customers and prospects can interact with it before they ever talk to a salesperson, um, and uh, to be able to understand what the uh, qualitative and quantitative value is 
in uh, numerical uh, terms uh, that is uh, uh, that is uh, directionally correct and uh, and enticing. Um, statistics from Gartner and lots of the analyst organizations say that the traditional sales cycle um, uh, is uh, seventy to eighty percent over before a prospect ever talks to a seller. They're visiting on the they're they're visiting the website. They're getting self educated. They're looking at analyst reports and so on and so forth. So the notion of projecting value into that part of the uh, buyer journey when they're not even talking to the seller, massively important. One of our customers uh, published their value calculation which uh, uh, capabilities, which allows a prospect to interact a little bit. Uh, we're in this industry, we're uh, this kind of use case, this kind of uh, uh, regional profile, et cetera, and produce a hypothesis of value. Um, in literally a, a few seconds, uh, in the first 60 days, they had that published on their website. They had 6,000 visits, 600 sales accepted leads that represented over $100 million in pipeline potential. Uh, and that was the part of that process where I'm not even talking to a salesperson. I'm on the website, interacting with the system, understanding the uh, use case and applicability and economic value to me. Um, so, so Jim, I'm, I'm, we're, I'm sorry, we're coming up on time. And, oh, and yes. I wanna, we want to make sure we get some, uh, some additional questions in before we yeah, wrap up. Yeah. This all sounds great. Uh, in terms of companies that haven't adopted this mindset, uh, let's put decision link aside companies that haven't adopted this mindset of focusing on value creation or establishing a value chain for their end customers, what are the, the, the hurdles that they need to overcome and how can they overcome that? Any words of wisdom for senior executives that might be listening that are sort of like, wow, how do I put this in place? We, we're so stuck in sort of our way of doing things. What are the one or two steps that they can take right now that can position themselves to start to shift the context towards value creation and, uh, and, and creating value? So, um, yeah, great question. Um, every, everybody thinks in terms of we want to, we want to bring value to our customers, right? Uh, you know, there's very, very few that don't think that way. Um, and so, uh, so my starting point, I would uh, suggest getting uh, two books. Uh, one was uh, written by Bill McDermott, uh, the uh, uh, former CEO of SAP and now CEO of uh, uh, ServiceNow, uh, mm -hmm. and read the 24th chapter of that book where he talks about how they fixed SAP by doing two things. Uh, one is they had uh, uh, weekly meetings at every level of the company uh, talking about their top 10 deals and how they're going to win them. That makes sense. And that was from the CEO on down. And the second was by instituting a value engineering capability in their uh, business. Uh, the second book would be one that my co-founder, John Porter, uh, probably knows more about value management than anybody on earth. Uh, John Porter uh, uh, wrote 
uh, called a value practitioner's guide uh, that lays out, it's not about decision link, it's not about our product, lays out the step-by-step what you need to do to establish a value management capability uh, in your organization. It is a um, short uh, read, it's about 180 pages, I think, Uh, a lot of pictures in it. Uh, so it didn't uh, didn't bore me out of my mind, but that book is the first book published in the uh, published in the industry that uh, that talks about the how to uh, and uh, from a practitioner's guide point of view uh, that uh, anybody uh, uh, can follow and say this gives me a map of what I need to do. Um, Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that with us. We could go on for a whole hour. This is a very uh, riveting topic, but we're up on time. Jim, it's been great to have you uh, as a guest. We have to keep uh, keep in touch with you. Congratulations on creating a new segment. You know, why disrupt a market when you can create a new market, right? So congratulations for doing that. What an interesting 10-year journey, I'm sure, but congratulations on your success. So stay with us as we go off the air. Uh, uh, let's just announce what we got coming up for the rest of the week. I think we have two more shows, Carlos. You're on mute. Well, Kim, Kim, blame Kim. He, she's the one who said, "Put yourself on mute." You're, we can hear you drinking water. We can hear you drinking water. Okay, so I'm the mute guy here. So that's my trademark. Uh, Tulio, Kim, Jim, well, tomorrow we're going to be speaking with uh, Tara Youngblood, the CEO and co-founder of Chili, Chili Sleep. And the topic is improving work life through sleep tech. I look forward to that one, sleep tech. Okay. And then Thursday, we'll be speaking with uh, Suba Sethi, <clears throat> the vice president of loyalty projects at Synchrony. And the topic is going to be innovation in e-commerce in a COVID-19 world. So that's what we have for this week, tomorrow, and Thursday. Tulio, uh, unless you have the one for Wednesday, that's all I have. For Wednesday morning, that's all I have. We don't have a Wednesday morning this week, so see you all back tomorrow at noon Pacific. Thanks for being with us. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. Check out past episodes, transcripts, blogs, and more on our website, dojo.nearsoft.com.